I'm really happy for what I call newly diagnosed parents because I don't think the kids are diagnosed. I think it's us that get diagnosed. We receive the diagnoses, so it's it's us that gets enlightened. It's not the kids. Welcome to Wild Peace. This is a place where parents of kids who are struggling can come together for camaraderie, inspiration, and support. If a child in your life faces mental health challenges, learning and attentional issues, or developmental differences, this is for you. I'm your host, Kendra Wild. Hi there. This is the first episode of Wild Peace for Parents. I hope you're ready for a lift. My guest today will inspire you to the core. Deborah Lagasse is a mom with exceptional experience. She and her husband raised two boys, one with autism. But this story isn't exactly about autism. It's about resilience. In this conversation, Deborah gives us an inside view into how she approached adversity with resourcefulness, heart, and grit. Her story will shatter any limiting beliefs you might have about autism, or any other so-called disability for that matter. Let me give you a little background. Deb's son, Tyler Legassi, began reading and writing at the age of two, but he was slower to talk and learn social skills. By age four, he was diagnosed with pervasive developmental disability, a form of autism. Since then, Tyler has overcome hurdle after hurdle, His accomplishments are impressive. Today, Tyler Legassi is a 31-year-old multi-sport Special Olympics athlete. He's competed at the state level in golf, alpine skiing, and basketball. He won three silver medals in golf at the Special Olympics USA Games. He's a member of the Special Olympics Massachusetts Hall of Fame, and he's a Special Olympics Global Messenger. Beyond sports, Tyler co-authored a book with his mom, engages in motivational speaking, and is working toward a bachelor's degree in environmental sciences at UMass Lowell. This young man is a model of courage and perseverance. This is what Tyler said in his TEDx talk. I wanted to be normal like everybody else. But in reality, it just doesn't work that way. Not everybody is normal. Some people are extraordinary. Hearing Tyler made me want to know more about his mother. What did she have to say about her parenting journey? How did she instill such a positive mindset in her son? In this fascinating interview, we discuss what it was like to raise Tyler. Deborah explains how she approached the challenges and how she and the whole family were enlightened as a result. I walked away thinking she should be a motivational speaker too. So with that, I'm thrilled to bring you my conversation with Deborah Legassi. I hope her optimism rubs off on you the way it did me. Hey, Deb, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kendra. How are you? Good. How are you That's doing? Great. I'm doing pretty well. I know you just came dashing in from work. and I did. I did. I just got homeschool where I teach. So what do you do? What do you do in your school life? So I, in my day job, I'm a school teacher at Greater Lowell Technical High School, where I've been for about 23 years now. And I teach cosmetology at a technical high school. So I get to do what I love, but I also get to have the benefit of 
working with teenagers all day long. So it really keeps me on my toes and I love it. Oh my gosh. I bet it keeps you on your toes. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so you guys have, you have such an amazing story and your son Tyler's story is super inspiring and I won't give it away. I'll let you tell it, but I would love to just start from the very beginning when he was born and when in his early years and maybe just tell us a little bit about your journey. Sure. Well, Tyler is um, 32 years old now. He just turned 32 on November 17th. So his journey began um, obviously 32 years ago, but there wasn't a lot of information. <laughs> so I want you to think about this. I want mm -hmm. you, I want to put you in, in my shoes a little bit if I might. It was an internet. There was no internet. So if you wanted information, you brought yourself down to the library <laughs> and figured it out. And you went through the Dewey Decimal System and did all that stuff. And there were not a lot of books. It was still, uh, it was emerging. So we had come, we had come from the place where it was immediately, you know, years and years and years ago, schizophrenia was the, you know, that childhood schizophrenia was the, the, the direction someone may have taken. But I knew the word autism. Um, but what happened is Tyler had a very normal delivery. He was a wonderful, wonderful child. He's my second child. I have an older son, Clint, who's 35. So I kind of thought I was, you know, I had this parenthood thing wrapped up. I got this now. I'm not as nervous with the mm -hmm. second one. Um, delivery was fine. I came home in less than 24 hours with my new bundle of joy. And he had a big brother. And I said, I got this. I'm all set. I was a hairdresser working in a salon at the time. So I had cut my hours back. I was part time and, and Perfect flexibility. love and life, love and life. And right from the very beginning, I found him to be extremely content. Now, that's not normally upsetting to anyone, and it wasn't upsetting to me. But this contentment had a little tweak to it. He didn't nuzzle. He didn't snuggle up to mommy. He kind of just sat around and, and hung out by himself. He didn't sleep. Um, but he wasn't fussy. He just was there. And I said, well, did yeah. I luck out or what? This kid's content. He's just looking around. He's doing all that type of stuff. <laughs> so he hit all the milestones, meaning turning over. Um, he gained weight normally. He walked almost to the day that his brother walked, which was nine months and two weeks. Wow. They both walked almost on the same day. Early. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, then the trouble started <laughs> because once he was mobile, mm -hmm. once he was mobile, I um, started noticing that he didn't seek me out. Now, my older son would want mommy, get me this, mommy, that, on mommy, your leg. this. This mm -hmm. one didn't really know I was in the room half the time. I had this sense. I had this sense. And I said, hmm, well, maybe it's because his brother is so loud and running around and stealing his toys or whatever he's doing. And I brushed it off. He didn't really talk, but he didn't, um, he wasn't silent either. He did say words over and over and over and over again. Now that should have been a clue, mm. <laughs> but it wasn't. I just thought he liked the sound of a certain word or something like that. What he was doing was what we now know is echolalia. So he was echoing or just repeating whatever I would say. I'd say, Tyler, do you want juice? 
And he would say, Tyler, do you want juice? Even with the same inflection. So I knew he could talk. Wow. And I'd say, Tyler, say, I want juice. And he would say, Tyler, say, I want juice. And I accepted that as, mm. oh, he's so smart. He said, I want juice. He did what just what I said. What I wasn't, what I wasn't catching on to was he was just repeating the first part too. So as right. that went on, wow. it was, it was okay. It still didn't, I still didn't worry too, too much. But again, he wasn't seeking out that, that, um, closeness and connection with anybody with anyone so I kind of felt like I could drift in and out of his life I could go to work he wouldn't cry when I left he wasn't happy to see me when I got home it was just a little different but it wasn't enough that I was gonna um, throw the red flags up all right it wasn't until he was closer to two years old and he was just getting out of the crib stage or going to be getting out of the crib stage. Now, I had a routine every night. Read your bath time, read a story, go to bed, maybe sing a lullaby, as most moms and dads do, or many that I know. Yeah. He hated to be read to. Hated it. Hated it. He would, he would almost, almost tantrum. But I knew it was upsetting him, so I wasn't going to keep doing it. And he was fixated on the page numbers. He'd see the numbers down below, and he seemed to know what they were. And I thought, gosh, he's two years old. He, he's just so smart. Um, but he <laughs> always wanted the Reader's Digest. And I thought, well, two-year-olds don't like the Reader's Digest. I don't understand why he has to have the Reader's Digest. And he just kept holding on to it all the time to a point I just threw it in the crib with him because he was he was going to make oh a big deal uh-huh. if I didn't. That's, That's what, he, what liked. he liked. And I just wanted him to go to sleep. And I put the baby monitor on, and I walked downstairs. And remember, this is the 80s. We didn't have video monitors. And I could hear hear every word. And he was reading the Reader's Digest at age two. And I said, I think I got a problem. (laughs) A good problem. A good problem. So I'm still upbeat. I've got a genius on my hands. But what's going on? And why would you pick (laughs) the Reader's Digest? Um, and so he was what we later found out was hyperlexic. So that means he could really read and decode things, but not really understand what he's reading. Of course, I didn't know that at age two. Uh, uh-huh. I just was, oh, it's so cool he can read. And he was reading. Mm-hmm. Well, then things got a little worse. Now the distance, the lack of eye contact. I started noticing he was a toe walker. Um, he didn't adjust to the seasons changing and his clothes having to change. So I couldn't put pants on him after the summer or I couldn't put shorts on him at the beginning of summer. I couldn't change anything. I couldn't change the style of shoes I put on him. Couldn't switch from boots to shoes. He would scream as if it was really hurting him. I started mentioning these things to the physician and he kind of brushed me off. And I mentioned it to the nursery school teacher. Oh, that's it's the worst feeling. Horrible feeling. But I still I still was in such a deny denial state that I was like, oh good, it is nothing. The doctor, he's smart, and that's what he said, and so I'm wrong, and that's good to be wrong in a case like this. Nothing's wrong. I was just denying it, you know, everything. Yeah, even if it's deep in your gut, right. you know. That nothing is. But he was healthy. He never had a health issue. 
So each day I would bring his older brother to nursery school. Now he got to be three years old. And he's reading like a crazy person. He's reading everything now. And now he's writing and writing and writing and writing and writing sentences. So his writing started that early. Was it just writing letters or was he writing journals? Full sentences, but it was things Uh he was copying. Like he he loved the Consumer Uh Reports magazine. He, he, he didn't like kids so stuff. Sweet. He only liked adult things. He loved the yeah. atlases, roadmaps. He lo- and he would write mm-hmm. and he yeah facts. just the facts. And he um, mm-hmm. so bringing him to the nursery school that his older brother went to, I would drop him off every day. His older brother and Tyler would be running into the nursery school and grabbing all those letters that they have on the wall. Um, you know, some of them would be magnetic or Velcro or anything like that. And he'd put them on the ground and he would spell out the prices right. And he would spell out sale of the century. And then he would spell out as the world turns. <laughs> so what happens? When did you, that is just like, when did you figure out that it was called autism? And I, now I started saying that it's, there's something going on. So I started looking at the library. And I kept it to myself. I said, I think he has some kind of autism. But what I read didn't match up. He was too high functioning, Mm. meaning um, he could put things together. So I thought, oh, it's not. It's something, but it's not that. And um, so I signed him up for preschool like his brother when he turned um, just before he turned four. But I knew he wasn't going to make it because he was an escape artist. He would run away and, you know, I was worried. <laughs> I had yeah. one of those too, yeah. And I dropped him off at the preschool and they said to me, he's going to be fine here. You know, we know his brother and we know you and we know how to take care of him. And we've been doing this for a long time and, you know, they had it, you know. And I said, I, I don't think so. I don't think he's safe. They yeah, had it just and like I, you did. I said to myself, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. So I got in my car and I got to the end of the driveway and I just started crying and I, my, my body kicked oh. in and said, he's not safe. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. And I pulled over and I tried to talk some sense into myself. And I said, you have to go home. They, they have your number. You have a relationship with this nursery school. If anything happens, they're going to call you. You have to let the experts help him. I had, it was Trust. the hardest thing mm-hmm. I, it really was really hard. And I oh. got home and the whole time he was mm-hmm. gone, the whole two hours I cried. And I drove back. Oh. I just knew. So you just and knew. I drove back. And when I walked in the room, they were holding him. They had him on the ground in their lap, holding him. And you could tell he had been struggling all day and they were exhausted. And they only had him for two hours. And they mm-hmm. said, your son needs an evaluation. And instead of me being upset, I was like, thank God, um, somebody gets somebody They didn't know what was out. wrong. So that's the short version of the story of how I began to get some help. And so we started that journey of evaluations and all kinds of other things. And that's, that's, the, the, wow. that's the condensed version. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, good, it's a good version, though. It's hard to imagine, I think probably for a lot of newer parents who are just beginning this journey to, to imagine not being able to just go 
get on your laptop and type in your query and try to figure yeah. it out. And I just started taking notes. I started, uh, I had taken notes before, yeah. but now I started really taking notes and collecting data. And um, I, uh, in the meantime, I, I knew no one would listen to me. I just had a feeling that they're just going to say she's just a mom. Yeah. And uh, so I kept him in nursery school. I didn't take him out. And I went to nursery school with him <laughs> every, every day um, because obviously they couldn't take care of him there. Um, but I needed to see what normal kids look like, if that's such a word. Now that I know there is no normal. Mm -hmm. At the time, I thought there was. Um, right. So I came in with my little notebook <laughs> and I recorded and I would watch and watch. record because we didn't have iPhones either. We didn't even have cell phones then. And I would just write down what I was observing other kids his age doing and what he was doing as he was next to them. And I figured this way, when I go to a meeting, I can say, well, on this day he did this, and on that day he did this. And Johnny was doing this, but Tyler was doing that. And uh, That's so smart that you knew that at the time because – if anyone out there has gone to get a neuropsych evaluation or any kind of evaluation, the parent input is such a critical part of the information. And you I had, had the data. You had it. Right. So it, it um, really was helpful. And um, we and part of the data was part of the referral process said you had to go to the pediatrician, which I went to my pediatrician. I did bring this up and I was kind of told, you know, you're just being a little overprotective and what have you. And so when we had to go back to the pediatrician, I'm sitting in the waiting room, in the exam room with Tyler. And at this point, we never went anywhere without a notepad and a pencil because he had an obsession to write. Mm. Okay. So the doctor walked in the room and said, we saw us you guys. and said, what, oh, what are you here for? And Tyler wrote on the paper, he's four years old, four, remember that. He wrote, here is your life, out of control, exclamation point, and handed it to the doctor. Here is your life, out of control? Yep, exclamation point. Exclamation point. <laughs> and he handed it to do the doctor, wow. and the doctor said, how long has he been doing this? And I said, I said, for two years, I've been telling you he's been doing this. And he said, I'm going to send you to Boston and you're going to get some evaluations done. <laughs> and, and I thought oh we could have avoided this two years ago. Uh, yeah. yeah, two years and ago. And so we did finally, wow. finally, it took 10 months to get the diagnoses, which is, again, things like that have changed now. Mm. Uh, so long. But still, sometimes things right, take a while. Right. Now there's a lot of information out there. There's, there uh, I'm so grateful. I'm really happy for what I call newly diagnosed parents because I don't think the kids are diagnosed. I think it's us yeah. that are diagnosed. We receive the diagnoses. So it's, <laughs> it's us that gets enlightened. Exactly. It's not the kids. Um, they are who they are and they're right. perfect the way they are. They just don't fit into our world the way other people expect them to. That's, that's how I look at it. I love it. that point of view, Deb. That is, you're so right. And how did you get to that point? Because that is the key. I think a lot of us, and I know I've seen you mm -hmm. quoted as saying, I, 
I was in a fix him mm-hmm. mentality. It's true. And then something shifted, right? When it shifted and you realized, wow, he's just, he's just different he's just than different. other people. Well, I went through a process yeah. and this might, um, I, I don't mean any offense to anybody at all, but after the initial shock of getting um, something in writing from experts saying he isn't like everybody else, <laughs> mm-hmm. okay, um, yeah, I, I w- the initial shock is is a little, it is sad. It's a sad day, and it's you cry a lot, and you know you, you kind of feel sorry for yourself. I, I will say I did hit that little low, mm-hmm. and um, and I would look and I'd look at him. That's fair. And he's beautiful. And he's brilliant and he's mine. He's my son. It doesn't matter. I'm going to love him no matter what. But what I did have to do is I had Mm -hmm. to let go of the dream of what he was going to be like as an adult and and as a teenager and as a toddler. I had to let, I had to bury all that. It's almost like having a funeral for that part. Now, I don't. I'm not trying to compare it to people that have gone through such tragedies because no one should ever go through that tragedy. And I certainly didn't. My son is alive and well and wonderful, but it's the emotional funeral that I had to actually put a place for that and said, nope, that's not the son I got. All right. Now we all, none of us know what our kids are going to be like when they get older. Yeah. And then you, and then I just said, this is the one I got. Mm -hmm. And And I love him because he's fascinating. And I'm, I'm going to learn. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be a good mom. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever I can. And I, I thank Tyler for that because I might not have been such a terrific mom. I may have, I may have taken everything for granted through the years raising Tyler. If he didn't have these challenges, things might've just come easy. And those little things, those little bumps in the road that we all have with our kids would have been so big. And now when I, hit a bump after going mm-hmm. through that big bump initially, I go, I got this. I, I well, It's like well, nothing. You know, sometimes yeah. it is, but I go, I have the skills now where I, I don't think I would have known that I have the skills to be as resilient as I am and to be driven and to, to be able to stand up in front of a group of people and be proud of the mom I am because we don't always give ourselves that permission as, as moms to be proud. And I want to, I want to tell everybody so that, true. you know, it, it, it's not just about the disability. It's about recognizing your strength as a mom and saying, go forward, do the work. The rewards are amazing. They're really amazing rewards. Um, they're all, they're all mountains. Well, it's reflected. <laughs> You can see it's all reflected in your son. I mean, one of my favorite quotes he says is, not everybody's normal. Some people are extraordinary. And the fact that that's how he has, his self-concept is right. so positive shows that you did something right And he's right spreading too. it. He's paying it forward now. This is a young man that didn't make eye contact, wouldn't shake hands with people, wouldn't have conversations has now learned how to do all those things, and he's a great communicator. I would have never guessed that he would have been a communicator. And now? So did it start with his journaling? Did it start with his journaling? When did it go from paper to Okay, it was the journey um, for us 
really began at his the private school that he ended up going to, the first school that he um, really got the most amount of help, which is Community Therapeutic Day School in Lexington, Mass. Mm-hmm. I initially walked into that school, and at the time, it was a it, it was a farmhouse. There was a farmhouse there, and I thought, well, this mm-hmm. isn't a school. How are they going to help my son? I want to see desks, <laughs> and I want to see... I want to see the the secretary at the front office checking me in and giving me a name tag. And that's my comfort zone. That's what I thought was normal. And um, I walked into CTDS and it was a home. And the secretary stood up and gave me a hug and said, oh, we're so glad to see you. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I I never had any. This is this is this is very different. different. And through the uh, psychotherapeutic approach at I call it CTDS. Uh, I learned that um, Tyler could make eye contact. He could reach out to people as long as he understood that he processed the world different than everybody else. And that's a very Mm -hmm. interesting interesting concept. Instead of do what I say, Tyler, don't act wacky, behave, don't touch things you're not supposed to touch. He didn't understand any of that language. But when he understood that it was mm-hmm. that I could validate and say, it's hard not to touch those things. You're not going to touch that today. You'll be unsafe. And he'd repeat it. And we'd talk about what being safe means and things like that. And when he finished with that school, he went on to another school. And eventually one of the tasks was journal writing. And he wrote in his journal. And when he graduated from that school, he decided to just keep doing it and over and over. And um, he joined Special Olympics as a teenager. And that's where he began his um, self-expression. That's when I was going to say, when did he discover golf? He discovered golf, I think he was 11 years old. Um, my my husband and I are not golfers. Um, Tyler had played youth sports in our town. Um, and that was always a treat, believe me, because he likes rules. And if you've been around a six-year-old on the t-ball, <laughs> they don't like rules <laughs> and understand them. So my oh son my. was calling balls and strikes <laughs> on five-year-olds. Yeah, it, <laughs> he wasn't the most popular. <laughs> but we got through. We had wonderful supportive friends and family that included Tyler. And that's that's the other so thing important. that I, I do want to emphasize is that it's really important for parents um, of children with special needs to not isolate yourself and to not only associate with other people that have children with special needs. You really, you really need agree. to get out and, and expand your world and give people a chance to love your child. Um, I've, I've, Mm-hmm. I found that That's if you beautiful. give people a chance to do the right thing and to be the person that they can be, they usually live up to that standard. So they're not coming, your friends and family that are asking what you might think is a crazy or insensitive question, let them know that it's hurting your feelings mm-hmm. the way they're asking it or that you don't know the answer. And I agree. educate them and give them a chance. Yeah, yeah because if- they get a chance. And, and I agree, like sometimes if you just give them a chance uh-huh. to understand, why is that behavior happening? Oh, because it, he's lacking a skill in XYZ area or his perception is different. 
as soon as they understand and they have empathy. And everybody can, wants to help. Everybody can wants it. to help. Yeah. But you have to give them a chance. And more, most importantly, you have to give them the tools to help. And you have to let them make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Lord knows you're making a mistake and I'm making a mistake. Mm-hmm. But we don't get called out for it. So we have right. to be kind. And But that's how the kids learn is having relationships with different people who have right. different styles and realizing not everyone's gonna treat them. That's just right. The way so we had a baby we had a babysitter a who was a teenager and he was um, a high school jock, let's call him that. All right, he was very athletic. And his mm-hmm. younger brother mm-hmm. was friends with my older son. And I said, Well, this might work out. I need a night off. I need two hours to get out. I, I, Because getting a babysitter for um, kids with special needs is almost impossible sometimes. And we were friends with this family for years, and they had an older son. And I said, could I pay him to come over and babysit? And, you know, of course, I wasn't going to be gone long and what have you. Well, he was a wonderful, he is a fantastic human being and um, just loved Tyler. He liked the fact that Tyler knew every athlete in the world and could talk hours and hours and hours about sports that his mother wasn't willing to do. Um, And this young man played golf. (laughs) And I saw that he had a a great way with Tyler. And so I said, "Could could I interest you in taking Tyler out to play golf with you? I don't really care about the golf. I care about the relationship, and I'd like him to make connections with the world. What a great idea. So if you could do that through golf, because golf has a lot of rules, but your game doesn't affect someone else's necessarily, unlike team sports. Yeah, perfect. We Correct. can play and in we parallel. Can talk and have conversations. And, and it's usually quiet. Learning it's usually quiet. There's not a mm-hmm. lot of spontaneous noise, which triggers our kids. Um, sudden movements and noises. I mean, mm-hmm. although you do have some, but it's very rare. A little tantrum here and there. So his tantrum wouldn't stick out as much. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, it became this wonderful <laughs> friendship. To this day, they're still great friends. And uh, that's that's how Tyler got into golf. And golf led to Special Olympics, and Special Olympics led to the Global Messenger Movement, where Tyler goes into schools and businesses and um, universities and different places, um, different corporations, and speaks to people about Special Olympics and living with autism. And he's kind of paying it forward now. And people are really um, enlightened, I guess, is or uh, they're surprised and they're inspired about how high functioning Tyler is. So they just assume he's always been that way. In the back of my mind, I sit in the back of the room and I just want to kind of laugh and go, Oh, if you would have seen him dropping the three dozen eggs on the floor when he was (laughs) three years old and I couldn't get near the fridge. He (laughs) he snuck into the refrigerator and threw all the eggs at me because he loved the sound. And he liked the fact that I would scream and say, stop every time which only encouraged him to do more. (laughs) And here he is. um, (laughs) If only everybody knew. And here he is up there just speaking as an ambassador for the Special Olympics and and everything else. It is kind of funny. Success story for him. I mean, he's really, 
he's shattering so many stereotypes about about autism being up there and, and he's and speaking he's in college now experience. he he only has i believe it's three more courses left and he will have his bachelor's degree good for him oh my gosh yeah, so that's the so University exciting congratulations and that was his idea and he's charting his own it's course great to let him advocate um, for himself now but when you go back to, so he was doing all that journaling all through the school years. When did you guys mm -hmm. have, you guys wrote a book together. Um, maybe we you could tell did. us a little bit about that and how that came to be. Well, what happened was uh, Tyler kept writing and writing in his journals. And he said to me one day, as I was doing coursework of my own, I, I ended up going to college later in life, mm -hmm. actually because of Tyler. But Tyler said to me, uh, Mom, I'm going to write a book. And as every typical mother says. <laughs> oh, good for you. Well, I said, oh, good for you. Okay, go ahead. Have at it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I went back to my studies. Well, six months later, he said, Mom, my book is done. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, what am I going to do now? I told him he could write a book, and I said it was okay. I yeah. can't lie and just go, well, that was nice of you. You know, why don't you staple it and handle it up, hand it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, now I'm on to the next thing. So I had to, uh, we self-published, found a publisher. Wait, you didn't and, tell about how you wrote in it. Well, that's what happened. Oh, okay. I started to look at the self-publishing piece and I looked through time. So I had to read it to make sure there wasn't, he wasn't disclosing anything uh, uh -huh. that I didn't want disclosed. <laughs> And as I read his, his, his book, I said, that didn't really happen that way. Wow. Now, I know Tyler doesn't lie. He doesn't know how to lie. He's always honest to a fault. Mm -hmm. And I said, that was his experience. Man, if I had known that's what was going through his head, I might have handled this differently. Isn't that fascinating? Wow. What's, a, what's an example? I learned so much. Um, lots of our outings where we went places or did things or like the, the whole egg dropping experience. Mm -hmm. I just thought he was a, I thought he was a maniac. Mm -hmm. I thought he was just crazy. And it was just, he loved that response. He loved the predictability of everything being predictable. Wow. And he loved the details. And I said to myself, I said, you know what, what did you do, Deb, when, when you were trying to figure out what was going on with Tyler. You went to the library and you read every book you could read on the subject. I read everything I could mm -hmm. find. I read medical journals. I read s stories from parents. I, I um, reached out to Temple Grandin. I did all that wow. stuff, all that stuff. Autism Society of America, you name it, I did it. I swallowed my pride. I just reached out. And I never read a book I did read books by people living with autism, and I read books from parents. Beverly Sills' book, um, um, the the uh, the actor that portrayed Father Mulcahy on Mash, oh, uh -huh, he wrote yeah. a book. All right, I can't think but of I didn't. I can't see the but I didn't. Um, I, I never saw someone write together mm -hmm. about the exact same experience, and I so I put a post-it note on my computer. And I said, what would you have liked to know? What would you have liked to have known? You know, what would what would I have liked to have known if I could have turned back time? What what is it I would have known would would have liked to have known? 
I would have liked to know what's going on in Tyler's head. And then I could have done something about it. So what I did was, the rule was, I asked Tyler, I said, Tyler, some of this stuff didn't really happen in my world. And he said, wow. it did happen in mine. And I thought, there's the story. Yeah. There's the story. So the rule was I couldn't write about whatever I wanted to write about because <laughs> I would have written a whole different story. <laughs> I had to respond to what he wanted to talk about or what he had been talking about and explain my side of the story. That's so and cool. And so that's how this book came about yeah, I think is that he wrote about his experience and then right immediately after that thought process of his, I put in italics my version. Yeah, I was reading Which one is, of they're them. They're both right? truths. Right. There was one about um, you sent him to his room, maybe as a punishment. Right. And then he wrote in his journal about how traumatized he felt. <laughs> and humiliated and all these other things. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, what? A, and I left it all in. I, I had no shame in it. I said, it is no, what it for is. for you for sharing. I can't filter this. But I, maybe um, like what you didn't realize at the time maybe was why was why that change in routine was so hard for him. Absolutely. I had, so had no understanding. Huge, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. And it, it, it was tough. It was really tough. And uh, so he did. He That was his goal was to publish his book. And I, I had to honor it. <laughs> um, and... And so we did. And it's been a nice conversation piece for a lot of parents. Oh, I'm sure. To be able to, to feel more, um, I guess, not so alone. To have a parent not just talk about the, the clinical side of it. And if you do, it's not a how-to book. It's a how-to-survive book. <laughs> it's how I survived book. But it's not a how-to book. Yeah, and it's I don't think you should take this as your... Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, my child will turn out just like Tyler if I follow what Deb Legassi and Ron Legassi did, um, my husband. No, it's, a, it's about survival. It's about resilience. And it's about um, overcoming the fear of being different. Yeah. Because we're different as parents, too. And sometimes you're afraid to say, well, my life's a little different than yours, my um child has autism and because then you see the look on their faces like oh my god oh god that's got to be awful and I go no it's actually quite a blessing yeah because uh, I know I know I'm up against the world you're gonna get blindsided one day right everybody said everybody set the bar really low for my son Tyler so I get a victory every day hmm. where if you have a typical child Everybody expects they're going to go on to college. They're going to get married. They're going to have children or they're going to be in relationships. They're going to buy a house. They take it all for granted in a way. They take it all for yeah. granted. And then Until when one little thing happens, moment. and for me, every day, you I'm learning. Gratitude and, and learning and growth. Yeah. And I, and I think it's made my marriage stronger. I don't think it's torn my marriage apart at all. I think it has made us communicate better. It's made us want to be better people for ourselves, but more importantly, make me be, be a better, make me want to be a better wife, um, partner, and friend to my husband. Um, and I think if you keep that spirit going, where I'm going to 
continue to make progress because that's what we want for our kids. Mm-hmm. Well, we have to model that. We what do. does progress look like? Yeah. And just so mm-hmm. just the idea that you are being open to seeing what his gifts are and his strengths and letting him follow, I mean, lead, following mm-hmm. his lead. And you maybe learn how to do that in, in all your relationships. Absolutely. It's, that was the hardest part is after he graduated high school was to say, well, I need, he's got the tools. Let him use his toolbox. Mm-hmm. Stop speaking for him. He has a voice. Give him his voice. Let him have it. It's it's time for me to step back a little bit. That's so powerful. To, I to love To watch. Yeah. All right. And that's really hard to do. I oh. have to tell you, oh, it's yeah. very difficult. Um, um, but it's important. If if this is what we want for our kids, you know, we want him to be able to lead as independent of a life as possible. Then we we need to find out how we can do that so for example Mm -hmm. example would be his driver's license Mm -hmm. tyler drives a car i never thought that would happen i i really never thought that would happen (laughs) in fact i sabotaged it i um i i will admit i totally sabotaged it i wouldn't fail him please oh uh uh-huh yes yeah i wouldn't let him study the book to take the test um for his learner's permit and i I felt it was worth the whatever it was, $30 to let him fail. Cause I said, Oh, that'll buy me six months. I'll, I'm good. But I chickened out and wouldn't take him. I made my husband do it. Cause I figured he'd have a tantrum at the DMV uh-huh. and I didn't want to be there. Your turn. So I, mm-hmm. I tag your it husband. And I sent my husband and Tyler came out with his permit. And Oops. by this point we did have cell phones <laughs> and my husband called me and he said, okay, brilliant mother. Uh, we are now on school street and your son is driving our suburban down the road. And I thought, <laughs> Oh my God. And, uh, and he, so we had, he needed driver's ed. We couldn't send him to regular driver's ed mm-hmm. school cause they'd never understand. And I didn't want him in the car with other teenagers making noises and doing that kind of stuff yet. Uh, so we had to find a school that, um, had experience working with, um, young adults on the spectrum and it wasn't easy, but we did find it. Wow. Yeah. And we had him evaluated to see if he, um, would recognize problems. So there was, they ran him through a test, um, and we had him evaluated first and then we signed him up for the private driving school and um, he got his license. Yeah. So it's, if, if you, if you give people a chance to help, they will help and you yeah. have but you have to do your Just homework. Find your resources. Yeah. And and yeah. that's the thing I, I think every parent has to carve their own path because their kids are different and that's what makes us sometimes feel so alone. But but you're right. right. If you just reach out, people want to help. Yeah, and you and network as much as you can and um um try to have a sense of humor. Don't lose your sense of humor. Um I'm not laughing at Tyler's behaviors. Some of them are so frustrating and embarrassing. Um, mm-hmm. But when something's funny, it's funny. <laughs> Go ahead and laugh. Yeah. You know, we laugh at you. our we other kids. To. Right. It, you know, we laugh at the silly things our other kids do, but we don't give ourselves permission to laugh at the silly things that our kids with special needs do. Mm-hmm. You know, 
so it's it's a learning curve for sure. <laughs> yeah, if you think about parents at the very beginning right now, what would your advice be for them? We've given a lot of advice through this whole conversation, but if people are at the beginning, what would you say? At the beginning of the journey, my biggest piece of advice would be to journal for yourself and collect some data. That that was the biggest key for me mm-hmm. was to get that line of communication going. Um, and one of the things that we did was we journaled with his teachers, even in ah, preschool. Mm-hmm. So they would tell me what kind of day he was having with no judgment. Yep. If, if, if his preschool teacher at that little nursery school that I had sent my older son, you know, if we didn't keep that line of communication open because they felt I was judging them, whether they're good teachers or not, mm-hmm. all right, how are we going to really help our kids? Definitely. So I think, I think collecting data, meaning we went on this vacation and he flipped out at this and you're going to see a pattern. Yeah. You start to figure you, out, mm-hmm. you start to figure it out and the light goes on in your head and you go, Oh, it was oh. raining outside. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like a weather change because he can hear every raindrop. You and I don't hear that. Mm-hmm. My son does. That's got to be so annoying. I, I don't know. I don't know that I would like that. That's like somebody playing the drums in the background of your day. Mm-hmm. Now that I get it, because I collected enough information that he was having a hard time and it was always on a rainy day. Oh, oh, now I can talk so about nice it. It's nice when you make a breakthrough like that too, right? That kind of understanding when you say, oh. Now I know yes. another trigger or another mm-hmm, thing. Yeah, to and avoid. I think I think collecting information that would be my number one thing. And the number mm-hmm. two thing is don't lose who you are as a person, as a woman or a man raising a, a child. Don't lose who you are um, because uh, your kids deserve the best you. Yes, and they and, deserve your modeling yeah. as a as a person who's yeah. fulfilled, right, and taking care of yourself. Yeah, and as a resilient person, somebody that mm-hmm. gets up. And, and tries it again and makes a mistake and tries it again. And we need to show our kids that. You might not think they're seeing it, but they really do. They really, really see. see, And they, they might not get it at the moment, yeah. but they get it later but on. It and that's in. okay. Mm-hmm. You know, life's not a race. It's a, it's a different pace. I kind of describe it this way, is that when, you, when you're raising a child with any type of disability, you know, other people get to, you know, go in their car and go on a ride and they're on the highway, you know, and mm. they get no potholes, nothing. It's nice road. <laughs> Me, yeah, a- I'm on a dirt road that's in a got jalopy. boulders and this <laughs> and that. No, I'm not in a jalopy. No. Because I know because I know I'm on that kind of road. I make sure I have four wheel drive. Gotcha. Ah, you see, see I'm an optimist in that sense. I like that. That's yeah, do you get it? It's it's just a different different way to look. Say, hey, you don't you're not getting me. I'm gonna get I'm getting a four wheel drive vehicle because I'm stuck on this road. Yeah. So what <laughs> do you so- do? What do you do to take care of yourself? How did you? How did you? I know resilience. A lot of it is in your mindset, but what mm-hmm. else did you do for yourself? Um, well, um, my career had to change because of Tyler. Uh, Mm -hmm. what happened is I was a hairdresser for 20 years and my husband was losing his job, which meant we were losing the security of health insurance and Mm. all that type of stuff. 
And I knew that um, we couldn't move from my town because I'd never find another town to fund his school, his private schooling uh-huh. in, in Massachusetts. It's too risky. So I said, how can I keep my career or keep doing what I love, which is hairdressing, but have a little protection, have a little flexibility, um, mm-hmm. get some health insurance? You know, we all have to make sacrifices. And so I thought I was sacrificing my hairdressing career to go into um, instructing uh, mm-hmm. hairdressing and to become a teacher of cosmetology. But it turned out that it was a real big gift, and I absolutely love it. And it forced me to go back to college to get my bachelor's degree and then to get my master's degree. I did it all after Tyler's diagnosis. I love that. And, wow. And so that's what I did for myself mm-hmm. and um, have been at it for 20-something years now. And uh, it was really one of the best things ever. And uh, it's not a hobby. It's a passion because I look at the kids that are in front of me in my classroom. Mm -hmm. And I think about Tyler and I think about, I hope, you know, I hope I can be the kind of teacher that my son had, that somebody that looked at each kid individually and said, what's your strength? I'm going to exploit that. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter that you don't do something the way somebody else does. I'll find a new way for you. And uh, and that's pretty rewarding. So that's what I do for myself. That's and, awesome. Uh, I love it. Mm. So I guess we should wrap up. I could talk to you for hours. It's so inspiring and positive. But I wanted to ask you, is there a mantra or a quote that you live by? There is. We, we for years and years and years, have gone under this, we ask ourselves three questions whenever we're really at a loss. I mean, we just don't know what we're doing. We're ready to give up. Mm -hmm. We're down on the bottom, down in the dumps. And we ask ourselves three questions. Am I safe? Am I loved? And do I have choices? And you need to be able to answer yes to two out of three in order to get out of of bed. Am I safe? Am I Am I loved? Yep. Am, I, Am loved? I loved? And do, and I, do have I have choices? choices? Okay. I, I know powerful. if, you're, if wow. you're not safe, you have to find a way to get safe. Mm-hmm. That's your number one priority. Keeping yourself safe emotionally, physically, you know, all the ways that it takes to be safe. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not just looking over your shoulder. It's, it's, it's um, you know, am I causing harm to someone? Is someone causing harm to me? Am I... Um, making good decisions? Am I putting myself in harm's way? Mm-hmm. All right. Am I loved? Some days, I have to admit, some days I don't feel lovable. I, I don't know what happens, but I think we all, if we were being honest, you have know, some say hard that. days for sure. You have some hard days. So sometimes you have to take a look in the mirror and say, you are lovable. You got you, Today's the day I got to love myself. Because mm-hmm. how can I be loving somebody else if I don't love myself? Um, that's not a true love. And then do I have choices? Do I have choices? Okay, I'm having a hard time with this. What's my choice? Get through it, get around it, or avoid it? Do it tomorrow? Am I safe? Am I loved? Do I have choices? And now I can start my day. That's the way, that's my motto to live by. I think that's brilliant. I love it. I might, I'm going to start trying it myself. Yeah, try it. You'll be surprised. And we do this to Tyler when he's overwhelmed. Tyler, mm-hmm, ask mm-hmm. yourself your questions. What are you wow. doing? Does that keep you safe? You know, if you're not paying attention to the world around you, someone could 
take your money. They could steal your car. They could, you know, physically yeah. assault you. Any of those things, you know, and you, we go on from there. But that's, it's, am I safe? Am I loved? And do I have choices? Oh my gosh. We learned so much in this, in this little podcast. I'm so grateful for you to share your wisdom with us because you've seen a lot and you should be really proud of the gifts you've imparted on the world and your son. Well, I thank you so much for inviting me to the podcast. Um, I so wish I had this when Tyler and I were newly diagnosed just to know that yeah. I'm going to make it just to yeah, know that. So if it. I, if I played a little role in giving some hope and um, making some people smile today um, that are listening, uh, know that you're terrific just because you've reached out and listened to a podcast and you're trying to uh, learn and grow. And that's a really good thing. So th I thank you for that. Oh, thank you. I'll make sure to put down information about your book on my website. It's called Great. What What Do You Say? Yes, it is. What Do You Say? Autism with Character. Autism with Character. And and I think I'll put a link to Tyler's TEDx talk, too, called The Gifts oh, of Autism, because that's, that's really right. great to see, too. Yeah. Well, thank you so yeah. much. All right. Thanks, Deb. All right. You take care. Have a great okay, night. Talk to you soon. You, too. Bye-bye. Yeah. You've been listening to Wild Peace, a podcast created to bolster parents of kids who are struggling with mental health, learning issues, developmental differences, and more. If you'd like to suggest a guest or share your thoughts about this podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Go to wildpeace.org. That's W-I-L-D-P-E-A-C-E dot O-R-G to leave suggestions, see show notes from this episode, and explore more resources. You can also leave a message at 617-433-8582. Since this is a podcast, we especially love hearing your voice. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, please tell others about Wild Peace. Share it with friends whose kids are struggling, or send a link to your teacher or therapist. You can also rate us on Apple Podcasts. Your positive reviews will ensure that more parents who could use some Wild Peace can find us. You can subscribe to Wild Peace on Apple Podcasts or find us pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Wild Peace is a production of Wild Peace for Parents, a nonprofit dedicated to helping parents find calm and build resilience. Because child well being starts with parent well being. Thank you for listening. <laughs>